lead us week in and week out into a time of worship in the presence of the Lord. We're so thankful for each one of them and their dedication. And I'll be honest with you, all the people in this church family who are serving week in and week out in our children's ministry and all across uh, the ministry of the church here, we're so thankful for each and every one of you and how you give of yourself and devote yourself to the things of the Lord. I was... uh, I got tickled a little while ago as we were finishing up our time with, with the Andersons here, and Baylor put a big bear hug around my waist. It makes me feel so good. But I, was, I got to thinking about Baylor, and he's an amazing kid. And I don't mean to spend the whole day talking about Baylor today, but I do have to tell this one story. Uh, a couple of times, you know, Jared and Ashley will send the, send the offering down with Baylor to the, to the offering pot in the front. And so one day I'm standing over here, and Baylor's one of the first ones up here. And he's got his cowboy boots on. I mean, he is strutting and he is working it. And he never even looks at the at the box. He just walks by and he goes, just, I mean, strutting it. I mean, he just, Sunday, like it's hot. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, I'm just going to leave this right here. And then the next Sunday, the next Sunday, it was some cash. And it was a lot of it, I think, because uh, it was kind of stacked up on his hand. And he walks up to the box and he just starts making it rain in the box. I love it. I would tell Jared and Ashton, oh, I'm going to get it. I said, don't you do a thing to that boy. That's making my life so great today. I'm loving it. So anyway, today, just for a few moments, I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Um, I, I tell you, there, there's a certain key text throughout God's word, and this is one of them, that I would, that I would say that uh, at, at times I'll read certain stories or I'll hear a certain sermon or a lesson, sermon of Jesus or a lesson from the Apostle Paul or a letter he wrote to one of the churches. And from time to time I'll come across some of these, I call them just, just key texts in God's Word. In other words, they're the kind of texts that if for whatever reason the Bible was taken away from us, and we had, we had no access to, to this precious word. And you could, you could just have one little piece, one little something to live by. This is one of those. There's several of those. And there's a lot of those throughout God's word. But this is definitely one of those that if you had nothing else to go on, and this was all you had to live your life by, this is it. This is one of those. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I could preach for probably the next 30 minutes just on those two words right there, his might. Too many times we're trying to live and operate under our own abilities, under our own might, under our own power, until finally we give in the towel. At the end of the day, there's going to be nothing but exhaustion whenever we're trying to do it on our own, when we're trying to do it by our power or by our might. But he says, you be strong. But here's your strength. Your strength can't be in yourself. Your strength must be, must be in trusting in his power, in his might in our lives. So put on the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let me just go ahead and, and uh, reveal the secret today, if you didn't know. We have a real enemy of our soul. There is a real force of darkness in this world. And he comes, it comes, however you want to describe it, it comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus says the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. 
There is a real force right before the world that we have to reckon with. Most of the time, that enemy, that force, is right between our ears. It's right here in our thought process. It's right here in our mind, in our visions, in our imaginations, the things that we think about, the, way, the place we allow our minds to go. But there is a real force in this world to be reckoned with. Now, we don't give a lot of credence to this. We don't talk about this a lot at Life Church because we believe that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. But the, 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 and, and Jesus didn't finish that statement just yet when he said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He concluded that statement by saying, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. I mean, let me tell you where the battle is. Let me tell you where we have to be strong is that place in between the two. So many people are going around bragging about everything that the enemy's doing in their life. The devil's been fighting me today. He's been hitting me from every front. It's just, it's just warfare everywhere I turn, and the story ends there, period, exclamation point. But I want to tell you something. It doesn't end there. Here's where we have to be strong. Our strength comes when we can reach over from this spot and cross that great abyss over into this spot where we embrace the fact that, yes, I'm being attacked, and, yes, I've got real, a real enemy in my life, and there are forces against me, but greater is he. He has come and he gave his life that I might have abundant life so I don't have to live in that place anymore. I've already started preaching and wasn't supposed to. It's for we to... Thank you, Brother Stephen. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He's explaining it now. He's, he's explaining it for the rest of us here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So can I just remind every one of us that your enemy is not your co-worker? Your enemy is not that cantankerous boss you got. Your enemy is not your mother-in-law. Your enemy, your enemy is not that, that, that busybody neighbor that you got. Your enemy is not the one that's saying all the ugly things about you and bringing false accusation against you. That's not your enemy. The word is telling us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not where our battleground is. The battle is in, is in heavenly places. There's a spiritual war that's taking place. And the greatest tool of the enemy is to get us distracted from where the real battle is and have us duking it out somewhere here on earth and trying to fight people in situations when all along, if we'll just give it to him, say the battle's not yours, it is God's. And let him do the fighting for us in heavenly places. I'm still reading the text. So here he says, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, Kevin Bacon. The truth is, is that for a lot of us in this room, and I'm beginning with Kevin Bates, the, the hardest thing for me to do, I, I can fight all day long. I can argue with the best of them. I can manipulate situations and make them work. I can work deals. I feel like Donald Trump sometimes, the art of the deal. Like, I can make it happen. But the hardest thing for me to do sometimes is just tie my hands to my waist and just stand. And he says, when you've done all you can do, when, you, when, you've, when you've exhausted all of your resources, when you've tried to figure it all out on your own and you come up empty-handed every time, then here's what I want you to do. After, after you've done all, you just stand. Just stand. Be still and know that I am God. I can't know he's God. I, he's not revealed in my life. I don't see, I don't have the revelation of who he is and what he's doing until I stop. Stop the madness and let him work. Stand. When you've done all you can do, 
then you stand. So the title of my message today is simply this, While You're Standing. While You're Standing. Any of y'all had to sit in a waiting room before? In a doctor's office or a hospital or anywhere else, and it's that waiting time. It's that time when you're anticipating that something's going to happen. You're anticipating some news. You're waiting to get the results, whatever it may be. You're so find out if you're going to be approved for that small business loan or whatever it is. And it's in that waiting time. So let me just say that while you're standing, this is why. Because, you know, if, if, if we're honest and we're really truthful about this thing, the biggest part of our life is spent waiting. If you really think about it, if you really, we're waiting for the next, we're waiting for this to happen, we're waiting for that to happen. If this ever happens, whenever this happens, this is going to be happening, and we're always in that place of waiting. So while you're standing, here's the instruction that the Apostle Paul gave to the Ephesians, and I believe it's for us today. He says in verse 14, he says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Now, I'm just going to turn this into a little bit of a, a Sunday school, elementary type of uh, beginner's course, uh, what it, practical, whatever. You, you call it what you want. I'm going to dumb it down a little bit today, if that's okay, because sometimes that's the best way I can understand it. And it's certainly the best way I know how to deliver things sometimes. He says, stand therefore, while you're standing, gird your waist... With truth. Now I want us just to think about this armor for a minute and think about the different pieces of this armor and what each piece of this armor represents and what it covers, what it protects, and what it does. And we know that he's saying a thing in the very center of your life, your waist, at the very core of who you are, there must be truth. At the very core of who we are, our life must be established and built. The very center of our life must be built and centered on truth. Truth. I know that's a small word with a vast meaning. I get it. But it must be truth that governs our life. It must be truth that leads our life. Not feeling, not emotion, not circumstances of life, not failure or success of the things of earth. But no, just simply truth. Because God's truth never changes. No matter what the highs or the lows are of our life, His truth is constant. It is forever. And we must center our lives on truth. And so He's saying at the very core of who you are, at the very center of your life, you must be established in truth. There's a couple of truths that we have to that we have to remind ourselves of, that we have to that we have to reinforce in our lives every day. And the first is the truth of who we are. We must understand who we are, who God says that we are. We must begin to embrace and believe who God says that we are as opposed to many times what we believe about ourselves. There's a look at difference with most of us. I'm just going to tell you there's a vast difference with me. There's things, there's ways I look at Kevin Bates. There, there's, there's all kinds of critique and there's all kinds of judgment that I put on myself and my weaknesses and where I don't measure up and how I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'll, I'll find myself after falling into that, that, that place and that mode that I'll wake up each day and when I look in the mirror, that's who I, that's who I see and that's what I believe instead of embracing who God says that I am. And I can tell you this, God sees me as right. Righteous. God sees me as healed and whole. God sees me with a future and a hope. That's how God sees you and me. 
But too many times we're believing what we believe about ourselves as opposed to what God says about us. If you've been around Life Church very long, you know that the greatest message preached here in this house is the message of identity, of us embracing and knowing and walking in who we are, who God says that we are, as opposed to what we think about ourselves or what some other what some other moniker someone else has put on us or our past or our history. So many times we're allowing these things to be our truth. Well, you don't know what I did. You don't know what kind of life I've lived. You don't know what kind of life I'm living right now. And there's no way that God loves me. There's no way that God could ever have a plan for my life. Have you seen the garbage in my life? And we've embraced that. And we've adopted that into into our heart. And we've allowed it to sabotage our future. So not only do we need to know who we are and live our lives with that truth in our lives, there's another truth that probably definitely is more important than the other truth, and that is we got to know who God is. we got to keep at the very center of our life who He is. That truth has got to be at the very center of our lives. And I want to be honest with you, that becomes a very confusing subject sometimes. But can I tell you that God didn't make that subject confusing? His word doesn't make that subject confusing. It's very, very clear. People and religion has made the subject of who God is very confusing. So I'm here today to tell you that we must know who God is at the center and at the very core of our lives. Not mama's teaching or belief system. Not grandma's truth. Not even... And I want to be very careful how I tiptoe into this. Not even what the church's truth is. You know, you'll notice something. You got a bulletin today, I think, when you walked in the door. Let me tell you what wasn't on there. You didn't see, and I'm not against churches and places that do this, but let me tell you what you didn't see. You didn't see a, a statement that said, we believe, dot, 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 with a long list of things that would cover critical whole page and then some if we're really to get right down to it. And I'm okay with churches that do that. I'm not criticizing anybody. You've got to have something that you believe in. But the truth is, is that if this evening, it's Sunday night church service time. If we all went to 12 different churches, uh, not in Franklin Parish, but anywhere, 12 different Christian churches, and we got every one of their we believe statements, I can guarantee you every one of them, would, there would be some differences in there. So they can't all be completely and totally truth, but at the same time, they're not all completely and totally false either. But we have to know who he is for ourselves. So there's no, there's never any doctrinal teaching here that says, well, you gotta do it this way and you gotta do it that way. No, we say, as the apostle Paul said, you search out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You go, you have a relationship with God. You can walk into the throne room. You have, all we want to do is just peel back the curtain and introduce you to him and say, now you come to know him in the way that he wants to reveal himself to you because he's God and he can do that. He doesn't need any human being or man to usher you to that place. We just want to introduce you. And then God will work out all the doctrinal stuff, the truth, if you will. He will reveal his truth to you and for your life. He'll reveal to you who he says you are, and he will show you who he is. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you that? I had a handkerchief. I still do. Because I've been gone to sweating. And preaching, that's good preaching right there. I'm going to tell you, that is just, that's just good preaching. 
Paul, this well-studied, intelligent man, though, here's what he said. He said, I've, I, I, this scholar of a man, he said, he said, I've decided that I'm not going to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So you want to know what we believe? We believe that Jesus Christ it was the Son of God and the Son of Man. We believe that he was perfect. We believe that he came to earth to become the sacrifice for sin. That he became, he became our atonement when he went to the cross and he gave his life so that you and I could have life. But guess what? We also believe that the story didn't end there. We believe that as they buried a dead body that three days later he arose in new life. And today we have the promise of new life ourselves. So there's your, there's your statement right there in four, in four, four sentences, if you will. That's what we Believe the apostle Paul could have schooled them in every in every doctrine and every thought from Judaism to Christianity, but he said, "Here's the thing, Jesus, just Jesus, Jesus plus nothing, Jesus minus nothing, just Jesus." And if we ever come to know the truth of who Jesus is in our lives. Everything will change. A preacher don't have to police you. Uh, uh, you. You don't have to have anybody telling you what to do and where to go and how to dress or any of that kind of stuff. You just can follow Jesus and you'll never go wrong. He goes on to say in verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does the breastplate cover? It covers the heart. It protects the heart. Keeping and maintaining a pure heart. A right spirit. I love the prayer that David prayed. If you go back and read in Psalm 51, to put it into context, we all know the failure of David. We all know the moment that he, that he had his great failure that we preach about and we talk about. But this was when David was found out. This is when the prophet Nathan came and began to reveal to him that he's the man that did all of this. And immediately David, this king, this mighty warrior, this worshiper, he immediately fell to his knees and he began to pray this prayer. And we find it if you read throughout Psalm 51. But I just want to pull out verse 10 and 11 where he says, this is his prayer. Notice this, this king, this the most popular king of all time in the, in the nation of Israel and to this day would be the greatest king that we've ever known on earth, natural king. And, and this, he's not praying, God preserve my reputation, me. I keep my throne intact. He wasn't praying any of that. He was praying things like this, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I believe this is the reason why David, David today is described as the man after God's own heart. Not because he was this great ruling king, not because he was this great warrior, uh, uh, leader of an army, not because, not because of any of those things, but because he had a pure and a clean heart. Nothing else mattered to him but to be in the presence of the Lord, not to be cast away from his spirit. So protect, protect our heart. Because David wasn't perfect. He didn't always do it all right. But because his desire was for a pure and a clean heart, he was called the man after God's own heart. Protect the heart. Protect the heart. He says, protect your heart with the breastplate of righteousness. We talk a lot around here about the power I'm just going to say the necessity of forgiveness in our lives. Forgiveness is a powerful tool in our lives. It's a necessary tool in our lives. Unforgiveness 
if left unchecked, if left just to rest and settle into the, the, the soul of our lives, it will eventually bring forth anger. You may know people today who their unforgiveness has now, has now already bridged over into that, that place of anger and they're just living their life in anger. And now they're not just angry at the one who hurt them or offended them or broke them in some way. Now they're just angry at the world and they're, they're making everybody else pay the price for what that person did. So unforgiveness, it leads to, to anger and then we know that anger then leads to bitterness. Oh, and then when we, when we cross over into the place of bitterness... We begin to sabotage everything in our life and in our future. Every relationship and everything that we try to do, it'll just begin to crumble every time because we've allowed that seed of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is not for, for the person who offended. Forgiveness is for us. Forgiveness releases us. Forgiveness frees us. Forgiveness gives us victory. It was the gift that God gave us when we were so undeserving. And that's where freedom comes. So he says in verse, verse 14, protect your heart, keep it pure, guard it with the breastplate of righteousness. And then verse 15 says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This really is such a simple and elementary thought here, but it's just what kind of stuck with me years ago when I read this. Paul is speaking, Greg, right here in this part of the text, he's speaking of what to do with your feet. I see Greg, Greg Havens back here. He shods horse feet all the time. Shod simply means that. It means shoeing something. Like, like you shoe a horse, a horse's, what is that? Is that a hoof? Thank you. Okay. I'm looking at the cowboys in the room. And nobody can tell me anything, okay? Um, he's saying prepare. Prepare your feet. We use, prepare your feet for peace. We use our feet to transport us places. It's our, it's our primary mode of transportation. You say, no, no, my vehicle is. Well, you've got to get to your vehicle. <laughs> your feet is what's going to get you there. Our feet is what transports us. It's what takes us from one place to another. It's what takes us to certain things. And it's also what will take us away from certain places and situations. So in my little simple elementary mind here and my thought here I'm simply saying this I believe it's what the apostle Paul was saying when he said shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace he's just saying this go where there's peace prepare your feet to go where there if there's peace over here go where there's peace get to where there's peace if there's one thing we need in our lives today we need Peace in our lives. We need it in our world. Go where there's peace. And more importantly, if there's not peace where we, where we are right now, walk away from where there's no peace. Go away from the place where there's no peace. Guess what? God gave us feet. <laughs> End of our letter. It's our, whether it's the, the, the actual feet that we have on our attached to the end of our legs or whether it's figuratively in our heart let's leave the places where there is no peace use your feet to move get away from toxic situations get away from toxic relationships you have the power i have the power to do that let me tell you something I, here's what i can say to people i can say it from my heart and i can mean it look i love you i love you with all of my heart 
And I'll be here for you if you're in need, if you've got a problem, if you're, if you're shut down on the side of the road, I'll be there to help you. I'll change the tire. I'll do whatever I have to do for you. Know that I love you, but I'm going to have to love you from a distance. You call me when you need me, but I can't sit here every day and I can't be a party to your drama. So I've got to take my feet and I've got to move where there is peace. I'm not going to live here. You can live here if you want to, but I'm not, I don't stay here anymore. I'm going somewhere else. I'm taking my feet where there's peace. And when you decide, when you decide you want peace in your life, come on over here and hang out a little while. We're going to have peace together. But if you don't have peace and I'm hanging out in this situation long enough, eventually I'm not going to have peace anymore. And God's word tells me to shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So I'm going where there's peace. Still good preaching. I ain't stopped yet. It's okay, we're shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16. It's okay, we're just kind of doing a Bible study here, just going verse by verse. Listen to what he says here. Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He's saying this. This is the most important part of the armor. Above all, at the top of the list, this is what you need. Faith. Faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you... Did anybody go to the same Sunday school I did? Just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. All right, thank you. Believing something. Standing for something. Too many times we're like... I've been guilty of being like a reed shaking in the wind as it was spoken of in God's word. And, and whichever way the wind's blowing, that's where I'm going. Whatever my emotions are telling me, whatever I feel, just follow your feelings. No, no, no. We got to stand on something. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us. It doesn't matter what's happening in Washington, D.C. or Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It doesn't matter what's happening in government. It doesn't really matter what's happening. I've got to stand on something and I choose to stand on the truth of God and not let it waver. I'm going to have faith in God. We've got to believe in something. And Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us times what we is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's the thing. A lot of times what we're holding on to, what we're believing, we don't, we, we don't really have anything to look at. We don't have anything to touch and feel. But we've got to stand on it by faith. If we weren't standing on it without knowing it and understanding it, it wouldn't be faith. It would just be logic then. But we stand on faith. He says this is the most important. This is the most important piece of your armor. You can defend against things all day long. But if you don't believe what you say, if you don't really stand on, if you haven't poured concrete on this thing and established, this is what I believe and this is who I am, come hell or high water. So when we're in the middle of the battle, when the enemy is firing darts at us, it's in that moment that we have to rely on not what we see, not what we feel, Not what we can touch, but what we believe. What we know to be truth, even when everything in our lives is telling us that it's not. This is the most important piece of the armor, he says. Above all, above all, take up the shield of faith. Because it's that belief system. It's making a commitment to stand on that thing. Come hell or high water. That's the thing that's going to protect you when the enemy comes with his fiery darts. That's what's going to work. I love the words of Aaron Tippin when he says, you got to stand for something. Or you'll fall for anything. You got to be your own man, not a puppet. On, okay. For me. We digress. I quit preaching and going to country music singing, okay? So y'all pray for, pray for me. 
Ephesians is telling us that the most important thing in the armor is our faith. That we have to pour concrete on this thing. We've got to establish it once and for all. I wish I could tell you how many believers I talk to. Believers. People that's been doing this church thing their whole lives. And I talk to them. And I don't say this out of judgment or criticism. I'm just pointing out the reality. I'm going to tell you there's been times when I've been at the same place. When believers, people who know what truth is, have come and say, I just don't know what to believe anymore. I didn't know all this was going to happen in my life. How could God let this happen? I don't know. I don't understand anymore. And I understand that. I get it because I've been there before myself. We'll all be there again in that place. But folks, at the end of the day, when all the dust settles, when all hell is breaking loose still in our lives sometimes, we've got to stand up and say, I still believe. I still believe. Everything in my world is telling me not to believe. Everything in my emotions is telling me not to believe. All of the circumstances in my life are telling me not to believe. But I still believe I will trust Him. I'm not just going to trust Him when everything's going my way. I will trust Him always. And this is what will protect me against the darts of the enemy. When I establish that faith, that faith once and for all, my enemy quickly realizes that he is powerless against me. That's when we find victory. That's when, that's when he begins to understand, wait a minute, I can't, it doesn't work anymore with this one. I, I, I've tried everything in my arsenal and it's just not working anymore because they will not let off of this faith thing. This faith thing is what keeps holding them there. I, I don't understand it. It's the thing that stops my darts every time I throw one. It's that faith thing. If they'll ever just drop the faith, I could destroy their life. But they're holding on to it and they're holding on to it and they're holding on to it. And then the enemy quickly realizes I'm powerless. I have no authority here. They've already realized, they've already decided in their heart and their mind that greater is the God that's in them than me. They've already realized it. So I'm powerless now. And they're not letting go of it. There's a bulldog tenacity in their heart and mind that says I'm not letting go of what I believe and what I know. I live by faith and not by sight. Verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation. I wish I had a whole Sunday sermon just to talk about the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects what? It's the head. That's what it does. The brain. The mind. I don't just wish I had a Sunday sermon. I wish I had a six-week series time that we could just talk about the power of the mind. How much the mind controls and rules our life. Oh, the power of the mind. That's where the battlefield is. That's where we fight the most. That's where, that's where the enemy finds our weaknesses. That's where, that's where he finds the crack in our armor. It's in the mind. And so we have to protect every single thought. We have to protect every th- single thought. I love, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it says, For the weapons of our warfare. Here he goes again, speaking of, this, speaking of this other kind of warfare that's taking place. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Listen to verse 5. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything that tries to rise up against your faith. He's saying cast those things down. Bringing every thought into captivity 
to the obedience of God, we must guard our mind. And, and the word is telling us it is the helmet of salvation. It's understanding and knowing what he did for us. The blood that was shed for us, it covers us, it protects us, it saves us, it heals us, it nurtures all. It takes us and it carries us and it propels us. It's the salvation of God that does all of these things for us. And he's saying, you take that salvation. You take what Christ did for you and you surround your heart and your mind with this thing. You let that peace of God surround your mind and you protect it. You protect it like a bulldog, if you will, with the helmet of salvation. And I'm closing as he's concluding. He concludes by giving us the final piece of armor. This is the last piece of armor that he gives us. As I said, if we had one little text, if we had one little portion of scripture we could take out and just say, if I didn't have the rest, I can live on this while I'm standing. He says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. There's nothing more powerful in our lives than his word. This is where everything changes in the armor. This is where the whole, this is where everything shifts, if you will. This is when victory ultimately begins to happen in our lives. Notice that every single piece of armor up to this point, every little piece of armor we talked to play, uh, girding our loins with truth, shotting our feet with the preparation, guarding our heart with the breastplate, helmet of salvation, and the shield of faith. Notice all of the pieces of armor up to this point have all been defensive. So far, they're all defensive. And by the way, Notice that all the armor's on the front and there's none on the back. You know what that tells us? Never retreat. Never retreat. Never give up. He's protected you in the front. The battle's not yours. When he told Jehoshaphat, he said, you go down to the battlefield and you just stand there. You watch and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to deliver your enemy to you today. You stand still and see that the battle is mine and not yours. So stand there, but while you're standing... Notice all the armor up to this point is all defensive, and now we see a shift. Now we're being instructed to go from the defense to the offense. While you're standing, certainly defend yourself against the enemy with the armor that he's given us. Certainly. But I don't just want you to be in a defensive posture. I believe God is telling us. I don't just simply want you to live your life always having to fight against something, a guard against something. But God says to every one of us today, it's not just my plan for you to be defended, but in you plan for you to win. I want you to win and you will win up to this point. We're just protecting ourselves and that's necessary. But he doesn't leave us in a foxhole. Aren't you thankful for that? It's God's desire to give us victory in our lives. And he said the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the way we have victory in our lives is by declaring God's Word over every part of our lives, over every part of our family, 
over our marriages, over our children, over our grandchildren, over our finances and our resources, over our nation, over our state, over our government leaders, whoever. That, when we begin to declare God's word, we go from being in a defensive posture and just protecting ourselves. Now we're coming out. Somebody just needs to start singing. I'm coming out. I want the world to know. Can we rewind about 10 seconds? What does the court, what does the judge say? Tell the court reporter, scratch that from the record. We have to begin to declare God's word over every part of your lives. This last and final portion that I want to share with you, I'll ask you to stand, if you will, today. I stole it. I stole it from Miss Laura Jackson in her message last week, her part of the message last week to our mothers. And this is what she said. She said, the word says in Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Laura said this last week. She said, our words have power. Life and death or in the power of the tongue. And so today, today I declare God's word over your life. Today I declare God's word over my life. I declare God's word today for protection. A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to thee. That's God's word. We need to begin to declare it over our lives. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Doesn't say that a weapon won't come against me. In fact, it's saying that a weapon will come against me. But guess what? It shall not prevail. It shall not win. It shall not prosper. That's God's word. We got to declare it over our lives. This is the sword of the spirit. This is where we go from being defensive to now we go on the attack. The enemy will not win. You will win. It's God's plan that you win. We declare His Word. He will give His angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. We have to declare, I have the mind of Christ. Because I am guarded with the helmet of salvation, I have the mind of Christ. We have to declare over our lives and over our children, they are and I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. My steps are ordered by the Lord. It's God's Word. It's what He said. I declare it over every part of my life. I am the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. That is God's Word. We declare it over our lives today. God will supply all my needs according to His riches in glory. Are you going in lack today? Declare God's Word over your life today. He will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Guess what? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Guess what else? He owns the hills too. He owns it all. You will not go in lack. Declare God's Word. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Declare it. Stand on it today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
I will be blessed going in and I'll be blessed going out. I am the righteousness of Christ. While you're standing. (laughs) While you're standing. You don't have all the answers. It looks dark. It's lonely. The enemy is out there and he's, he's fighting you on every front. He's firing his darts at you. And I just declare one more time to you today that while you're standing, while you're standing, while you're standing, declare God's word. Your enemy will be defeated. You will win. God will be glorified in every part of your life and my life while you're standing. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your promises. They are yes and they are amen. We believe it today. Even when we don't feel it, God, we believe it. And we stand by faith. Because we realize that it's that that tenacity in our heart that says, I believe, come what may. I believe, hell or high. I believe it's in that place that the enemy finds himself powerless. And so today we declare, God, we believe. We believe your word. And today, God, we begin to take the offense. We're We're pulling the sword out of the sheath today, Lord. And we are declaring your word over every part of our lives. We're declaring that we're the head and not the tail. We're declaring, God, that you're going to supply every need. We're declaring, God, that we, that we, are, we are the righteousness of Christ. We're, no, we're, we're not bound by our past. We're not, our, our, our identity is not the things of our past or our failures. Our identity is in you, and we're chasing after you today. Have your way in every life and every heart, I ask in Jesus' name. Would everyone together say amen? Amen. This morning, it's only 11.52. I promise to have you out of here by noon. I don't have another announcement to make today, but I do want to have a moment in this service. Just a moment. And it can be where you're standing, right where you are. It could be at the altar today. I'm not necessarily going to pray if they'll sing, I would love it if they would sing. But, but just in the, for just a couple of moments today, just for a couple of moments today, can we just, can we just begin to declare some things over our lives? Because I don't want us to get out of these doors and get in our cars. Those things all of a sudden be out here on Highway 15 and, and, and we've gotten so consumed with life again. I don't know what those things are in your life. I don't know what the things are that's that's weighing heavy on you. I don't know what your battlefield is right now. I don't know what your enemy is right now. But you know, and God knows. And right now, I want us just to begin to declare God's word. And maybe in your own way, it may just be a whisper. You may declare it out loud. I don't care how you do it today. But right now, in this few moments, maybe where you're standing, maybe at this altar today, wherever you want to do it, however you want to do it, I want us to begin to identify those things. This is the thing that's weighing heavy on me. Identify it. Look at it. Put a face on it. Put a name on it. And I look at it and analyze it. But this is going to be the last time. It's going to be the last time we give the devil any kind of credence in our lives. It's going to be the last time we identify him at all. And then begin to declare God's word. Speak God's word over that situation. As they sing this morning, I'm just going to, I'm just going to invite you to do that right where you, right where you stand or at the front, wherever you want to be. But let's just do that right now. In your own way, in your own place today, let's begin to declare God's word over every part of our lives. In Jesus' name.
leads me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to your side. Your mercy calls me to be like you. Your favor is my delight. Every day I'll awaken my praise and pour out a song from my heart. You are good. You are good. time to be with the family of the Lord. Uh, I, as I was preaching here today, I just keep looking down here at Jason Foster, and he's always preaching everywhere and in different places and all that. It's not very often, not very frequently anyway, that he gets to be here in service with, with his family, and I'm so thankful David, to be here today, a mighty minister of the gospel. I want him just to come and just close us out and lead us in prayer as we leave today. Amen. You know, I got to thinking that uh, grandfather, when I was in high school and I was started to drive, <clears throat> my grandfather uh, collects Mustangs, rebuilds Mustangs, and, and has a whole collection. And all of the grandkids, our dream was that grandpa was going to give us one of those Mustangs to drive whenever we, we got our license. And so when that time came, I was just obsessed with Mustangs. I'd see them coming down the road. It's like every other car was a Mustang, and I wanted a Mustang. And I finally got to the point where I was like, you know, I, I know I'm not getting a Mustang, and I've just got to stop dwelling on these Mustangs. I've got to change my mind. And as soon as I started, shifted my mind, focused somewhere else, I didn't see Mustangs anymore. I wasn't obsessed with Mustangs. I think at that time I started being obsessed with pickup trucks. But I changed my mind. I, I was focused on something else. And I believe that that's what we need to do with our spiritual lives. That so many times we focus on defending ourselves 
against the attacks of the world, against the attacks of, of our enemy. And we, we think of ourselves as being attacked and, and being the defender. But as Brother Kevin said, God didn't create us to be the, the weak one, having to defend ourselves. He created us to be conquerors. So we need to change our minds and stop sitting here cowering down against this evil world that's out there and let us in peace, the armor of God, and go and conquer in his name and bring his joy and peace into the world. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that you have created us in your image, Lord, and that you have put inside us your spirit. And so, Lord, we just pray that you help us not to look at this world as an evil place that we need to hide from, but help us to look at it as your creation, the world that you created for us to enjoy. And so, Lord, we pray that you help us to bring your joy and your peace and your and everything that you give us into the world. Help us to bring your salvation to those who need it. Lord, again, we thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you for this place. We're able to come in freedom and to worship. And, Lord, I just pray that you help us to go out into this world and share your joy. Forgive us for our sin, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.